Hey everyone, this is Jamie Pride and welcome to episode 19 of the Failure Proof Podcast. Hey everyone, my name is Jamie Pride and thank you for joining us on the podcast where we explore performance, resilience and the mindset needed to thrive in the modern workplace. If you are enjoying the podcast, please spread the word and if you could rate us on iTunes, that would also be excellent. On today's show, I am joined by Kelly Slesser. Kelly is a digital and mobile marketing strategist and she's also the founder and CEO of ShopU. She has 18 years experience both in Australia and overseas. And she began her career with British Telecom, the UK's largest telecommunications provider. Kelly's focus is on increasing conversions, creating emotional connections, and developing technology to solve real customer issues. She's worked with iconic brands including Westfield, Woolworths, Glue Store, Big W, Lespec, Suncorp, David Jones, Lendlease, Mountain Designs, and Diageo, just to name a few. In this interview, Kelly speaks about the journey of founding her business, how to realize a product vision, the importance of prototyping, and the two-edged sword of startup advice. Kelly also recently attended a two-day silent meditation retreat at a Buddhist monastery, and that story alone is a good laugh. We riff on the importance and the challenge of meditation, so if you're keen to explore meditation or detachment further, this episode is well worth a listen. If you're a startup founder or thinking about leaving the corporate world, I'm sure you'll take something away from Kelly's experience. And I am with Kelly Slesser from Shop U. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. We've been trying to organise this for a while, haven't it we? It has been back and forth for a while, yes. You're a very busy lady. Uh, and you're a busy man. <laughs> <laughs> so, Shop U. Yes. Tell us about it. So, Shop U is a mobile shopping experience that matches people with brands based on their style, size and preferences. And it uses artificial intelligence to learn about women's fashion over time so it can give them more relevant results. And how long have you been doing ShopU? Well, the concept I think has been in my head for forever, but we actually built last year, launched the MVP version in September, and then we did the full launch in February this year. And was ShopU your first startup? I was a consultant. I had my own business for a while, yeah. so but ShopU was my first product development startup. And what inspired you? Was it like so? This is your was this your first foray into like tech startups? Um, I, I've I've been in tech startups before, so no. But my first doing my own tech startup. Yeah, absolutely. I've spent my life telling people what to do with tech. Yeah, and I decided it was about time to put my own money where my mouth was. So yeah. Oh well, we'll come back to that. But mm. tell, tell me how, like, tell me about you. So, what was your first foray into business? So you sort of have come out of the corporate world, or are you sort yeah. of always been an entrepreneur? So I started life in British Telecom. BT as a product manager. Yeah. So I was a technical product manager. So I sat in between marketing and development teams. Okay. And I was kind of the geek in the middle. How'd you get so, into that? Um, I studied business marketing but I really liked coding and technology at university so it was natural for me to go into a technology company and the the area that I went into was almost a startup within BT so we were building out new products platforms we were doing voice and you know all all the new technologies back then yeah so um 
it, it just seemed very natural. And I went in on a graduate trainee program with the view that I would work for a year and then I'd go off traveling and I ended up there for a lot longer than, than I'd planned to. Um, I ended up on a fast track program for management for uh-huh. senior management and I did my product training there and yeah it's a good grounding it was a good background it was definitely it was a good start to life and where'd you go from BT so then from BT I came to Australia okay uh, I worked at a language um, company for a while and then I came to Australia and I ran one of Australia's first mobile marketing agencies so in the days when I don't know if you remember but Blue Freeway and Photon Group yeah. were buying up lots of digital agencies somehow I walked in a door and the next minute I was sat on the managing director's seat um, running this mobile marketing agency and back in the days when WAP technology existed wow, we'd build, we a very old school um, we did all of the SMS for things like Big Brother Coca-Cola David Jones um, but it was all very new technology mm. yeah that mm. was back in the day when WAP was was the the hot thing. And David Zuckerberg was like 10. Yeah, well, yeah. well yeah, he was Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> he wasn't even born Mark probably. Zuckerberg. But um, what got you to Australia? So apart from our amazing weather and people, like, yeah. what would you do? Were you like all the other British said, I'm going to go to Oz or? No, so my brother moved here. Okay. And I'm really close to my brother. So yeah. Suki, I came over and, and I came over for a holiday and then I just never went back. And went like, have I got a choice between, yeah. you know, the Sunshine. UK or here? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> do you miss it? Uh, no, I miss the people. Yeah. But I don't miss the UK. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But do you get back? I do. I get back every couple of years and I love it. I absolutely love it when I go back, but I couldn't, I don't think I could live there again. Yeah. Australia's I, look, I, now home. I lived there for a while. Yeah. I miss British TV. Yes. And, and good Indian food. Good Indian food. Onion barges so are much. not the same I miss outside so much. of the UK. I don't know. No offense to the local Indian restaurant population, but I've got to say, just, yeah. English Indian is just better. Nowhere else does it better than it's the crazy, UK. It's right? crazy. It is crazy. And just garbage. UK TV just yep. is a little bit better. Rubbish. And yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, there's and a Marks bit. and Spencers. I miss Marks and Spencers. <laughs> I, I never really, really do. got into A little that. luxuries in life. So you came and worked for a marketing agency? Yep. A mobile agency. And I ran that for five years, just under five years. Okay. And then I had my first child. And at that time, that company was being um, consumed by one of the bigger companies. So I had a choice as to whether to make the move or to stay, stay or, or to, to move on basically. And because I was having my first child, I decided I need a bit more work-life balance. Yep. So that came in the form of starting my own consultancy, which okay. I, n- I never found that work-life balance. No. And, no. and was that Something that was a natural evolution for you to sort of uh, kind of fit, I guess it fit with your lifestyle at the time. But, yeah. But I guess was it sort of a natural, look, I'm going to get, I've got some existing client base and I'll do some consulting and it sort of seems like a, a natural thing or was it something you went, oh, it's a big leap for me and, and it's something that was sort of a big adjustment? I'm sure at the time it was a big adjustment. I think the, I think the thing for me that felt quite natural, I, Coming from an agency space, I got sick of working on innovative projects that weren't getting any results for people and that weren't necessary about the customer experience. And I think I saw this opportunity to go and work with retailers and brands on actually developing some return on their investment and but using technology to do it. And so 
it was natural in terms of what I wanted to do. Yeah. But it was a challenge in terms of, you know, all of a sudden you're doing your own business development and all of a sudden you're looking around for HR and a team of people to support and help <laughs> you and they're just not there. Yeah. And all of a sudden you're sending your own bills and invoices out or managing your own cash flow or not, as the case may be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 And 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 was it a was it a, a frightening thing in terms of like uh, for me when I moved into consulting the first time it's sort of the problem is you can't deliver and sell at the same time yep. so you sort of yeah you know you end up with this lumpy sort of um cash flow where you're going okay well i've got a project and it's working and then that finishes and you go okay oh, now my I'm, now I'm starving oh my again. Yeah, yeah exactly yeah absolutely it was it was very frightening i mean i was lucky that my husband's in a, a full-time corporate role so you know those ebbs and flows yep. we could manage between us but yeah, it was. It, it, you know, um, it, it's a scary process to go through. I think the other thing about consultancy that is scary is you're selling you, essentially. Mm. And I think that is a very, very, for want of an overused word, vulnerable place to be. Because if something doesn't come off, it's you. Yeah. You know? It's very much your brand. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think as a challenge, like I've worked for, I've worked in professional services f for a long time. I guess there's a sort of, there's a point where you go, well, um, is it, am I just me as an independent consultant or yeah. am I going to get other people and build a consulting company? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and did you think about doing that? Absolutely. And I did, you know, yep. Over the time, there were bits and pieces where I brought people in and we'd, we'd do something together and then I'd go back on my own. And yeah, I think it's a confidence thing. Sometimes, you know, I think some of the, I think one of the reasons when we're in that consultancy world that we bring other people in or we overlay ourselves with a brand or we get lots of products or, you know, is a confidence thing. It's because yeah. you kind of, it's so much easier when you're hiding behind something than it is selling you. And also I think it, it helps in a sense that, um, if you want your business to scale yeah, yeah. And, and like, you know, if you're sick, then there's no delivery and, you know, yeah. this idea that you want to have other people and it's hard. Look, I don't, I don't know if there's a silver bullet, right? No. Like, I think you've got to do anything else. No. And so where did that sort of lead you in terms of sort of doing consulting and yeah. having your first child and, and kind of, you know, I guess sort of putting your shingle out and, and doing your own thing. Yeah. So I got some fantastic projects. Like I managed to, you know, work with, uh, Big W, Woolworths, I worked on their app strategy, I worked with Glue Store, I managed to work with some really great iconic brands. Um, and I then went on to work with Westfields for five years, so as their digital retail consultant. Yep. So I would go into Westfields, they'd send me around the around um, Australia, and I'd go in and I'd work with their retailers on helping their digital strategy on their digital strategies and platforms. So, and I guess an interesting project mm. because that sort of time where traditional bricks and mortar retail yep. sort of didn't have a digital strategy, felt that it was a change room for Absolutely. online. And I guess it's sort of been, I guess, a bit of a, a disrupted landscape. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So, so interesting time, I yeah, guess, to it be was, working on that. Definitely. And I'd work with the big guys, but I'd work with an independent as well, you know, a mum and dad shop down the road. So yeah, I, I got to see all levels of business and I got to see you know in in the two-man band or the mum and dad shop down the road the innovation that was happening in there in terms of their technology their ability to be quick and nimble and do things really you know future thinking and then with the big guys I got to see what they were building out over the next five years so it was great it was a great experience for me that's the one of the the pleasures of consulting is that mm. the variety of work yeah. right being able to work with all sorts of different absolutely clients. absolutely and I loved it yeah yeah and 
And so how does that bring us to where you are today? So um, during that process, I did a lot of research into, you know, best mobile shopping apps across the globe. I did um, I did some projects where we use machine learning to analyze customer sentiment across retail brands. Um, and during that process, I taught, saw two things. One, that consumers weren't satisfied. Mm. You know, conversion rates in Australia are extremely low on on digital so sitting at around two percent on um desktop and then about one percent on mobile is so low compared to the rest of the world but but also we're, we're low generally so i saw that on one side and brand saying to me can you come in can you look at what we're doing can you help us increase our conversion rates and we'd use data to do that and then on the flip side you know like i said i'm seeing consumers going you've got data on me. Why aren't you using it? You know, you, you send me an email once every six months or once every month or whatever it might be. And it's got nothing that I like in there. Mm. It's nothing personal to me. And, you know, when I go on your website, I have to hunt around to find what I want. And I just saw this opportunity. Plus, added to that, 60% of women are now looking for clothes on their mobile phones. Mm -hmm. um, I saw the opportunity to pair the two together. So that's where ShopU, the concept of ShopU was born. It was, yep. can I develop a product? And going back to my product days, mm -hmm. which you know, I love, um, can I develop a product that provides personalization to consumers? Mm -hmm. And then on the flip side, provides data back to brands yep. to allow them to make more meaningful decisions. Yeah, And just... Help that cycle. And how long did you ruminate on the idea for? Uh, you know, I... I don't actually know. I think back and I go probably about four or five years ago, I had this, I launched um, this style site. Right. Um, and that was probably the first makings of it. And then from there, there were little things along the way that happened. I mean, the concept really came to light probably about two and a half years ago mm -hmm. when I went, okay, I'm going to take some money out of the consultancy business and I'm going to pay for um, a user experience team to to analyze this with me. And I, I worked with um, a team of people to do that. And I think that was my first step where I went, I'm actually spending money here. I need to do this now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so how did you go about about it was it something that sort of just organically evolved or did you sort of read up i mean so to because i guess the challenge is you've got a, obviously a very experienced background you've got the domain expertise but i think a lot of people go how do i get from there to building the technology and, yeah right and actually manifesting something that's you know gonna because it's an app right predominantly yes, yes absolutely um and so was that a was that an enjoyable experience for you? It was. That was the best part about really it. building I, the app. I love the build. That's, that's really? my thing. I'm a product manager, technical yeah, product I, manager I, by I, trade. I figured I was interested in your answer because coming from a product management standpoint, that's something that should be natural to you. Because I think a lot yeah. of a lot of what I would consider to be like commercial founders struggle with that part because yeah. because they've got an idea yeah um and they've got potentially even a business model but they don't know how to realize a product vision yeah and i guess yeah. coming from a product background it would have been easier for you yeah definitely i think it was still hard but but definitely it, it was something that came much more naturally to me and one of the things that i found over the years with developing technical products is that it's all in the briefing and the team that you work with and if you don't give a really clear and succinct brief the amount of scary stories I hear and you will have heard mm. them so many times about a team that was outsourced 
in India or wherever it might be. And then what was delivered, you know, $100,000 later or a million dollars later was yeah. not what the customer expected. Yeah. And 50% of that, when I go and look under the hood and analyze why that happened, it was always in the briefing process. It yeah. was always in the non, not being clear about what, what you wanted and what the experience was that you wanted to deliver at the end of the day. Oh, amen. And so did you spend a lot of time developing like prototypes and yeah, visual wireframes? Yeah, and testing them. We did prototyping. We did paper prototyping. We did kind of in-design concepts. We did, um, you know, clickable prototypes. And then we tested them, we retested them, and we tested them again. Yeah. Excellent. And so what did that tell you? So like, mm. did you learn, did you, did did the that sort of prototyping um, phase change anything in terms of what you were thinking and what it ultimately ended up? Absolutely. I worked with a group called Early Days who mm-hmm. are amazing at that innovation stage, at that early stage. And we came up with five concepts that we thought addressed five different problems. Yep. Um, and the main problem, so I went in with, a, this is my defined problem that I'm yeah. trying to address. And they went, no, 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 you don't do it like that. How you do it is you come up with five scenarios, problems that you're trying to solve, and then we test each of those. Yeah. And actually what happened was the one that we ended up with was a combination of a couple of them. Mm-hmm. Um, in, when we got the user feedback, actually, what what I thought some of them wanted, and I'd done years of research myself, so yeah. I was I thought I was pretty clear, but actually it did change slightly. Because you have a bit of a confirmation bias, because I think eventually you sort yeah. of start with many, you narrow it to one, you get wedded to it and you go, this is what we're going to do. Yeah. yeah. And I think a lot of founders are nervous about going out and asking people about yeah. that, right? Because yeah. the, I call it the ugly baby problem where oh, you go, totally. like, what do you think about this? And there's that sort of fear <laughs> of rejection, right? Where you go, I don't want people to criticize <laughs> it, but you need it. It's really ugly. crucial, right? Yeah. Like yeah. that feedback is, is amazing. Totally. So what problem did you land on? So what problem are you solving and who are you solving it for? Okay. So for women we're solving mm-hmm. the personalization problem right we're saving them time by curating clothing for them so that they can feel and look good and, and so i'm as you can tell i'm a highly fashionable person Absolutely. for those of you i'm sitting here wearing a gray t-shirt um I'm <laughs> not your, I, I, I am not i've got a face for radio as well <laughs> i am not your target audience clearly but explain that to me so i guess um how does that work practically okay. for, for somebody who's listening at home? Yeah, sure. What does that really mean? So you download the app, yes. Shop you, and yes. then you sign up to the app mm-hmm. and you pick your style first of all. Okay, and your style could be casual. In fact, m- most women. Um, so a look. Yeah, yeah. So casual, sporty, classic, and there's images that are assigned, uh, aligned with that. Yep. And we tried words and we tried images and then we worked out that actually both together give a better indication yep. to the user. Okay. So we, we tried different user experiences to see which one would work. Yeah, because I saw the um, uh, trunk club, like when I signed up there yeah. in the US. And so yeah. they give you sort of like some some sample looks and you go, yeah, that, that's me. I'm like that Love preppy it. look or whatever. Hate that, it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that kind of, so then it gives you an idea of, of I guess, a style of a person absolutely and a pro like giving me an idea for somebody who knows nothing about style how many categories do you reckon is there eight kinds of styles we've got eight there you oh, go wow, look at that, look at that. that. you know a lot more up. than you you're on. i'm a great guesser Let so there's a lot eight more than kinds you're of style yeah yeah general style yes yeah. so i mean there's more than that but we we kept it Start to eight so 
uh, and we based it on a theory. So there's a reason why when you go into a shopping centre and go into a changing room that so they only give you six items. Yeah. And it's actually not because they think you're a thief. Or maybe in your case, yeah, I, d- yeah, I don't I mean, know. Totally. But yeah. yeah. But the reason they do it is because of overwhelm of choice. Yeah. So what you don't want to do is give people too, too many choice, yeah. choice. So then they get overwhelmed and they, they go into that I can't make a decision mode. Mm. So they pick their style. Mm-hmm. Um, then they pick their brands. So we know that women have eight go-to brands in their wardrobe okay. generally, and wow. they generally shop with about two or three consistently. Right, because that, that that's their style. It's their style. Fits them. It's easy. It fits them, and then they pick their body shape. Right now, eventually it will be size, but in this iteration, we could only do body shape because a lot of the brands didn't have size in their in their product feeds. So, okay. so. They pick their style, their brands, and then their body shape. And then what the algorithm does, it assigns a weighting to each of those things. Okay. So each time they go into the app, in the background, we've tagged style casual, for instance. And if they've got a weighting of nine on casual, then they're more likely to see products that are for hourglass body shape with casual. So there's a weighting process that goes on. They weight it or the algorithm weights it? The algorithm weights it, absolutely, yeah. And we also apply a clustering algorithm, which basically um, pulls together a collaboration of products. So for instance, you know, if we know a group of women who have picked Witchery and Country Road and also like, you know, our casual. So sort of like people who, who shop here cohorts. also shop there, sort of a cohort. Absolutely. Right. Okay, Absolutely. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So there's, there's various algorithms that are applied to get the data. Mm-hmm. And then each time they like something, look at something, it increases the weighting of, of various attributes. And then that gives them a more personalized result. Well, until it gets better over time. It gets better over time. Yeah. Okay. And, mm. so, and then, so the proposition is they're presented with, um, essentially, products that should should get should fit them, should, or should fit their body type. It's with their style, and they can purchase it and suit them, and they can purchase it. Right, yes. and then that provides the brands with data as Absolutely. well. Absolutely, okay, yeah. Um, and then I guess where to from here? So we're in investment raise at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've just opened the round yep. um, two weeks ago. Is this the first external capital you'll bring on? So we did an angel round and a friends and family round yep. early on. Yep. Um, so this will be the first kind of, I suppose, it feels a bit grown up and serious round. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not that the one well, before was. Well, you've got your live, you've got traction now. Got, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and the app's been going amazing, right? Yeah, yeah. We've got 59 brands on board now. So wow. we just announced Saba, Sportscraft and Jag this week okay um so we're putting on brands every single week and we'll announce target next week okay um so that would be one of the biggest biggest ones in australia so yeah. which is fantastic which is which is phenomenal and i guess so so sort of abstracting from there what what have you learned like as as a as an entrepreneur if you were to do it again yeah firstly would you do anything differently yes Okay. Yes. What immediately comes to mind? Do you know uh, why I'm laughing is because I always say hindsight is useless. So I'm not one of those people that will go, oh, if I'd known this, it's then I would have done you, this. But it's not for others. Yeah, true, true. Yeah. Um, what would I do differently? It's not useless for you. I disagree. <laughs> I disagree. You can learn. You can learn. You can learn. It doesn't you mean that you should. Learn. It doesn't mean it's a good conversation. Like, because mm. I don't think you should have regrets. Um, no, and I think that's it. It's more regret the regrets than yeah, hindsight. You can't I say, oh, like I want to rego. Yeah, yeah. But it's good to learn. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, I and agree. It, and it's great for like I find that as a as a young entrepreneur or as a new entrepreneur, there's a lot of people out there who are going, okay, well, what can I learn from successful entrepreneurs in terms of sort of how to do it differently? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
So what comes so to mind? So do you want to come back to me when I'm successful? <laughs> no, you're successful. <laughs> so what comes to mind? I think, um, so the, the area that was totally new for me was investment, cap tables, shares, all of that really interesting stuff that yeah. I, you know, is, is just, is absolutely new to me. If I could start again, I probably would have got more advice in that area because okay. down the track I then had to unpick stuff. So did you just but learn yourself or did you kind of kind yeah. of get casual advice? Or well, would we you had have... Investable were oh, yeah, angel right. investors. Yep. So um, they they were were the first. Yep. So they've been giving advice along the way. But but you still kind of go off and do your own thing. Yeah. And you make some – and someone will tell you something at a, yeah. you know, at a fireside chat or an event and you you go, oh, I'll go do that. Yeah. And you go do it. And then two months later, you go, I shouldn't have done that, actually. Do you find that's a good point? I mean, do you find um, that that's a challenge? Like one of the things I've um, heard from other entrepreneurs and I've sort of seen it myself is that there's a lot of people with a lot of opinions oh, who, totally. are, who are sitting on the sidelines. Oh, right? not in the ring with you. And they're like, yeah. ah, yeah, look, armchair generals. Oh, like, my goodness. I'll tell you what I would do. I would, uh, you know, I'd do everything as convertible. Mode. I'd have B-class shares. I'd have, uh, you know, I'd have <laughs> I'd have redeemable preferences. Like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, and, and I think it's challenging for a lot of entrepreneurs. I think it's challenging for everybody is to work out how do you separate, like, the how wheat from the chaff? The sh- like, it's just some rubbish. Shit. You can yeah. say shit on this okay, podcast. Great. Okay, great. How do you sift through the shit? Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. like, and how did you do that? Like, did you get, because like, did you find that? Was that your experience? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I actually was talking to a friend the other day and I said, it's amazing how many people give you advice who aren't actually in the ring with you. Yeah. You know, or have never been in the ring before and At never all. taken a punch. Nah. Now, don't get me wrong. I appreciate all the advice I'm yeah, given sure. and, and feedback is an absolute gift. And, and some of that advice from people that have never been in the ring has been great, but some of it has been totally made up and off, totally off key. So... What's In, the worst piece of advice you've been given? Um, oh, that's a really good question. Oh, can I come back to that? Yeah, you I can. I have to have a real yeah. think about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think uh, originally I was given a lot of advice around kind of setting up cap tables and things like that. Oh, that corporate I, structuring. Uh, structuring. And, and I think it is one of the biggest gaps for startups, that legal structure, the corporate structure. Yeah, Everyone wants to give their opinion. And on even it. for the people who know there's competing views. Yeah. It's it's such a mess. And and you can waste a lot of time. You can. You can spend a lot of time and a lot of money on it as well. Yeah, it's a lot of time, a lot of money, and you're right. Like if you get it wrong, you have to unpick it. Yeah. But even amongst the people who probably do know, yeah. there's differing views. Yeah, right? absolutely. Um, in, in terms of how to structure the company. And frankly, um, I know that's going to be controversial. I think it's almost the least important thing. It's almost hygiene. Like you need to do it. I agree. But it doesn't do anything at all to further your customers, your product, your no. growth or whatever. It's sort of like this vehicle that you kind of need. It's such a suck of time. And it it's really a mystery is. to a lot of people. Like it almost needs startup in a box. Anybody's out there listening. Yeah. I'm sure there may be somebody's invented it, but there's probably yeah. some lawyer somewhere. But like there's, there is sort of just this, you know, standard way to set up a company. You need a shareholders agreement, you know, yeah. investing agreements, like, you know, and, and it should be, it should be very straightforward. It should be simple. It really should be simple. But I think when you're going for investment or, you know, trying to get funds, you, you kind of a bit blinded to all the legal stuff behind it yeah. and the share, because all you want to do is get the funds right. And it's like, you, you kind of celebrate that moment. And then before you know it, you're looking at these legal agreements going, Oh, wow. Did, is that, 
was that right? Should that yeah. been, have done, been done that way? I'm very lucky in that I've got an advisor who is a board advisor called Dave Burkett, who right. was an old boss of mine as right. well, actually, when I ran the mobile company. Yep. Um, and if I'm really in doubt, you know, he's the one that I will go to. And yeah. so having someone that's got that corporate experience yeah. um, and has done mergers, acquisitions, but also got a view of what's it going to look like when you exit yeah. If that's what you want to do. Yep. Um, and how do you structure the organization and structure your, not so much organization because it's you, right? And a couple yeah. of others, but structure your legal agreements to make sure you put yourself in the best position for that down the track. Yeah. And you can overbake it though. You as can. Well. I agree. Oh, look, I've seen people with corporate structures that you could still be HP on, right? Oh, like, I, I mean, agree. Like, you know, so it's, um, it's interesting. So, so in terms of like you personally, so what's your style of learning? Are you sort of, uh, do you surround yourself with advisors or do you, you know, are you, you sort of are, I'm going to research it like yeah. a combination of both I like, think a bit of everything yeah. like I like I like on the tools right so for instance if we we put in a new system which is quite technical I'll go in and learn how to use it I like it and then I'll train someone else how to use it and then yeah. they'll take over so I've got this beautiful girl in the office Nadia who just she's amazing she picks things up really quickly but I've got a thing about I need to learn and Everyone that w works with me, mm. um, whether they be in the Philippines or in Malaysia, they have to go and use our system, regardless of whether they're using it every day. They have mm. to learn it and they have to understand it. Because then I feel like I've always got a fullback plan and I've got people that understand, mm. you know, the process, the business process. Yeah. So, mm. And so along the way, along the journey, setbacks? Yes, yes, big ones. So we... Um, when we when we took on a tech team, yep. we interviewed a lot of tech teams. We had one that did a review of our system and came back and told us things that I could have told myself in my sleep and charged us a mozza for it. <laughs> Consulting. Uh, yes, absolutely. Um, but we eventually settled on a team. And the reason we settled on this team was because they were um, a lab inside a big organization. So they had structure and support. There was a big team. They were so focused on user experience and they had guys that could do the, um, the machine learning. Yep. So they, they could develop algorithms. Awesome, awesome team. Got them on board, loved working with them. You know, they were just, they were based in Malaysia and they were a company called VLT Labs. And we launched into the app store on, I think, September the 17th, high-fiving, drinking champagne. And then they announced that they'd been bought out by McKinsey. Now, in the contract agreement that we had with them, I thought I was being very clever in just doing an hours contract basis. Oh, so no. we would buy blocks of hours and they would fulfill an element of the project. And then it was very lean, agile kind of sprinting. Yeah. Um, they would fulfill elements of the project and then and then we'd move on to the next sprint. Yep. However, when it came to that point... Actually, that wasn't the most clever way to structure because no I had no security. So we literally lost them overnight. Like they couldn't do any work, boom, gone. Yeah, we had, I think it was something like 10 days. I mean, we managed to kind of keep talking to them for a while, but it was 10 days that we had them for. Wow. So it was like all this kind of, you know, champagne drinking. We've launched into the app store and now we have a product that we actually can't support or do anything with or develop or, yep. you know. And, and invariably, when you launch technology, there are bugs instantly. People find stuff that's broken or stuff that doesn't work the way in which you should. Yep. Um, we tested a lot in user experience testing, but until you get it out there, you know, yeah, yeah. there's no you, script for it, right? No, you exactly. Know? Yeah. Nothing tells you more than actually once it's in the wild. Absolutely. Right? So 
so we had a period where we had no no tech team, and then they I mean, these tech techies were overrated. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I just do it myself. Um, then they handballed us to their big enterprise company, which scared the absolute bejesus out of me yeah. because I was like, they are a massive enterprise company. Yeah, I can, see the, done bill, I can massive, see the bill just go like, absolutely doubling. Absolutely, through the roof. And, and actually, it's been the best thing that's happened. It's and been great. How do you deal with stress? I mean, are you a stresser? Like, um, how, how did that, like, did you, like, do you take that in your strides? Like, I mean, how did you? Yeah, how no, do you I have my meltdowns. It? Do you? I have my meltdowns, definitely. Because you're pretty chilled to me. Yeah, no, I definitely have my meltdowns. I do. Yeah. I call my brother. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's my meltdown the, the, person. The person is responsible for yeah, you being to yeah. Australia. My husband hears me meltdown all the time. Yeah. Um. No, I have my moments, but I handle it through exercise. Although. I say that quite lightly at the moment because I'm in startup crazy mode, and mm. you know the first thing that drops off the window out of the window is is yourself yes. and looking after yourself. So that's probably not not a great example at the moment. But I'd say I handle it. I get downtime with the kids. Like I right. I try and get out. Is that your outlet? Like yeah yeah. Middle of nowhere. We go camping where there's no Wi-Fi, no connectivity. You know, not that not not, not that I'm a massive camper, but. But I was going to say, you don't strike, you're no. something more of a glamper than I, a camper. I'm not a massive camper, but on startup budgets, you know. <laughs> so before, you downgrade. Before we came on air, you told me that you went to a, a is it a silence retreat? Is that yeah. what it's called? Yeah. Tell me about that. So we're obviously in the middle of a, the capital raise at the moment. So in the middle of the capital raise, you decided <laughs> that you wanted silence. I'm sick of my own voice. I've pitched to about 60 people in the last Whoa. four weeks. We're going to so, come back to that. Yeah. So it's been crazy. It's been yeah. full on. You're talking to people every day. And like you, you get said good before, at it though. I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I am, but you yeah, know, you, you would have improved. You're just constantly getting feedback, right? Yeah. So you're getting feedback. People are pulling your, your thing apart. They're giving you, you should do this. This could be better. It's constant. So yeah. I got to last Monday and I said to my husband, I said, I just, I need to just get a break. Was there an event or do you just like, you just got ground down? Yeah, you're just like done. I think I just went, I, I need, to, I was just working on something. And I said, I think I just need a little bit of a, a bit of me time. Yeah. You know, I think I need a little bit of downtime and he, and, my husband had been and done this before previously. Yeah. So he said, um, and one of my, I was talking to one of my friends. She said, "Why don't you book yourself into a nice hotel?" And yeah, go I'm thinking and do Hawaii or something or at this something. point in time. That's my well, me even, time. Even just you know the hunter <laughs> or something. And I said, "Oh yeah, yeah, no, that's a good idea." But I actually think I need to go and be uncomfortable. And she was like, "You are absolutely <laughs> mental." Yeah. So I said, "No, I, I think I do. I think I need to do something that just challenges me in a different way." Yeah. Because I feel like I'm being challenged in this way every day. Yeah. And actually, I want to be challenged. Sometimes in a different it's way. Good to be taken out of context. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And actually one thing that the the monk said at the weekend, which really resonated with me, was that when you're when you feel pain, it distracts you from everything else. So <laughs> well that's certainly one way. So 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 rewind. So you decide mm. that you're needed you need some time out and you go to a retreat and a yes. monastery. Yes, at a monastery. Like a Buddhist monastery. A or Buddhist or... monastery and with the monks for the a monks. weekend. How many yes. people are there? There's about 30 people 30, and the monks. 30 people and the monks. And the monks. Are they like what I think, like orange robe wearing Absolutely. shaved head monk Absolutely. dudes? Absolutely, yes. Calm, peaceful. Like, it's, they're sickeningly calm, aren't they? It's crazy, honestly. Like, I just, 
and they laugh and yeah. stuff. Like they, I don't know. I love Buddhism, but like, but they do freak me out a little it bit. Was, like I'm like, oh, I'm naturally not a calm person. It's just well, I I don't. I'm not a calm person. Like I have mm. my moments. Yeah, but but being in a monastery, it's uh. how they live is insane. So you get there. So give me the lowdown. So you get there. It's a Saturday morning or something. Friday, Friday afternoon. Friday afternoon. It's down yeah. the coast. You yeah. go down Friday afternoon. You rock up. Yeah, but you kind of know what to expect because your husbands have been there before, right? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah. And then they give you the lowdown. Like from this point on, you can't speak. Yeah. Well, you you walk in, like and get it out. I'll yeah. be like, can I just speak? Can for I like just speak? Can I just call? Oh, actually, on the way down, I think I called every friend I have. I'm like, I just need to talk to you. Yeah. Someone would text me, and I'd go, I ring them. No, no, we need to talk. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so you arrive Friday afternoon. Friday afternoon, and then the the last kind of words that someone I said to someone was, "Where do I go?" And she said, "There, you're staying in a dorm." Yeah. Which is like this, like with other people. Yeah. Oh my in God. bunk beds. This, oh, this, gets worse by, this gets worse by the minute. Anyway. At that point, I was a little bit like, okay. <laughs> what have I got myself into? And then she said, we're really lucky because the <laughs> <laughs> when we had the Olympics, they donated the bunk beds to us. <laughs> so these are like 18 years old. They've <laughs> been used by athletes. Um, and, and so you... Uh, pho- no phones, phones. No phones. No, no technology. So you cut no off. books. No You're books. Not allowed to read. No, no. That was the bit that got me. That was the so bit you're I went, oh. like sort of sensorily deprived. Yeah, totally. You're allowed to write notes. Okay. So that was. I'd that write was, a book that I would read. Like, well, I wrote a long <laughs> note. Yeah, you're meant to write notes about what the Buddhists uh, about what the monks are talking about. And, and, and so they and so they give you some lectures. Yeah, absolutely. So how does it run? So you you go Friday night to what Sunday afternoon or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So you get there. You so you check in. You don't really <laughs> check in. <laughs> Doesn't I think this is not a five star Hilton experience. <laughs> So you you get there and they do kind of dinner and then after dinner you do seven till nine thirty meditation and chanting and you're basically sat on a mat in a in this kind of structure I can't but like temple I don't know what what to call it you're sat on the floor and for two and a half hours they the monks talk to you for about half an hour and then for an hour half an hour forty five minutes you chant and then you read their they chant and you kind of read the chants that go along with it right. and then you do just under an hour of meditation i think i would laugh originally did you have this i fell asleep you fell asleep yeah because it's not like you can meet other people and talk to them or no. anything like there's other people okay can i ask you a question do you look at the other people and go i wonder who they are yes totally but you know what I what's said, their story or i'll be like story? i wonder who they are. what's their story so my did you make up like backstory, backstory? <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, okay, this person's a teacher from Liverpool. Uh, like, just to get myself occupied. Right. So the first evening, I was telling someone this story yesterday. The first evening I got there, I went, okay, so this person, they're definitely a mass murderer. <laughs> like, definitely. And then I was like, oh, no, you're not. This is not the way you should be doing this. Like, this is not in keeping with the Buddhism faith. You have to stop this. Oh, have to stop, this. stop calling everyone a murderer. <laughs> stop with the mass murderers. Yeah, so much for this, like, clarity of yeah. mind. Um what did you get out of it? Um, focus, definitely. Yeah. Calmness. Did you go through this process of like it, it's very distressing at first and gets easier over yeah, time? Yeah, totally. 
Totally. So actually the first evening was fine. I was like, I've got this. I've got this damn pack. Yeah, a couple of it's hours, go to sleep. A couple of hours done. Too easy. You fall asleep in meditation. Is there like a whole bunch of people? Are, I couldn't, I can't do it. It's people snoring and shit. What yeah. the fucking hell's going on? Yeah. Like, anyway, okay. It was. It was so weird. It's like a school camp. And then the second day you're, you're kind of fighting with yourself because I am not very good at silencing my mind. Like I am constantly, you know, okay, I've got tech over here. I've got a legal document over here. Just telling me to silence my mind makes it harder for me to silence does, my mind. It does. It does. And the thoughts just keep coming. So I'm going through mental checklists of things that I've got to do. And then I'm going, no, no, you need to stop doing that and just be be present with your breath. And the, the monk will tell you, keep being coming back to the breath. So by end of day two, like Saturday, I was stressed out. I'm right. like, I can't do this. So they teach you how to meditate? Yeah, they do. They do a bit of guided meditation. Had you done meditation you. prior? Not really. Not so really. you're not Little, a regular meditator? No, I'm not a regular meditator. So this was no. a bit of a shock so to the system. So this was a shock to the system. You've certainly got a way of yeah. getting yourself out of context. I know, I know. So it was quite, so I was quite stressed. And I think mm. one of the monks must have seen it because he said, look, you need to let the thoughts come and go and not try and fight them. Yeah. Because otherwise you're just going to stress yourself out and that's not the point of this meditation process it's mm. okay to have lots of thoughts coming and going all the time so by saturday night in the evening meditation because you do you do you're up at 5 a.m with a gong and then straight into morning meditation <laughs> you would love this you, have you, lo- you lost it. me at 5 a.m <laughs> <laughs> and then you do morning meditation, then you do Tai Chi, then walking meditation, then bushwalking meditation, then lunch, and then you do your evening meditation. So by the evening, I kind of relaxed into it. And I right. was getting on the getting evening of the Saturday. Zone. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. then so you come back around, so you sleep again, come back around Sunday. Um, so I guess you got some focus, got some clarity. Yep. yep. And is it a practice that you'll continue? Yes, definitely. Definitely, I will. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, how do you think it's going to help you in in your daily life? I think it's just. I think one of my biggest learnings they teach to detach from happiness. Okay, which sounds really weird. No, this is all going to be a bit deep and meaningful. Probably not no. what you thought I was going to say. No, no, I, I understand exactly what you're going to say. Yeah. Okay. So, so detach from the outcome of things. Mm. You know, and if. If you're constantly basing your life on, you know, when I get this car or build that house or, you know, build a billion dollar business and sell it as a unicorn, you know, then you've got this attachment to things that that will happen. Mm. And actually what you need to do is just be happy in the moment and just be or be peaceful and calm in the moment and Mm. accept that happiness will come and go. I think that was the biggest thing for me. And I came back a lot more grounded about the journey that I'm on at the moment and less attachment to the outcome. And I think that's that's amazing. I think um, I speak to a lot of entrepreneurs who are very much um, results orientated, right? Which and, I and, am. I th- and I think executives are results orientated. I think we're yeah. ingrained to be results orientated. Yeah. I think from a from an early age, we're talk, told about you know getting the grade or getting the promotion, and we lose our love of the activity. Yeah, I agree. I um, agree. An example for me is that if you look at kids play sport, yep. there's an age where they just like run around like maniacs and they don't really know what game they're playing, who, which wins are the goals or whatever, but they have an awesome time, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then there's a point in time where I think they flip. You beat that out and, of them. And they, yeah, or they, they're crazy nutcase parents on the side yeah, of the soccer yeah. pitch. Um, get them to a point where it's like, well, did you win? Did you lose? Like yeah. who scored, etc. And And they lose the love of the game. Mm. And I think that, um, you know, you spoke earlier about, um, you know, as an entrepreneur, you tend to um, – give up yourself a little yeah. bit for your business yeah. right yeah. and because it's all about well i need to get this 
I need to raise capital or I need to get my product out the door. Yeah, yeah. And that's a really interesting observation mm. Um, mm. from your from your perspective. And I think um, it's something we all work on. My, I, I studied Buddhism for a while. Like I went and, and, and sort of investigated it for a long time and I've been meditating for oh, a long wow. time. Yeah. Um, my, I understand the concept of, of the lack of attachment, yeah. which I get. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, we attach to emotions and we attach to things and we yep. attach to outcomes. Yep. And detaching, though, it's a great in principle, right? Yeah, so yeah. I yeah. think Buddhism is like, it sounds so simple. It does. It, it is does. absolutely fucking hard. It is. Like, it is. And, yeah. and so I have a huge amount of respect for people who firstly can can um, apply it and, and practice it well. And I yeah. think it's a practice. And I, I like the idea of practice because it's not something you ever master. No, no. Um, although I, I have a thing. I mean, one of my other colleagues says that it's easy for Buddhist monks because they lock themselves away in a cave and they don't have to deal with day-to-day life. Absolutely, right? absolutely. And if you are isolated, it's easier. Yeah. But try to have that presence and stillness in the chaos of a startup yeah. or in the craziness of, yeah. a, of a business is hard, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And did they talk to you about practices that you could sort of bring in or introduce into your daily life? Yeah, you know, I think it's just the the walking meditation, the coming back to the breath. You know, I've had a couple of things this week that haven't, you know, either not gone right or, or just – necessarily not gone right but just moments where I've gone oh my goodness oh no what's going on and then you just kind of you go back to that breath and you just kind of and you're like it's okay it's going to be fine you know and yeah. I think that in itself is a massive um, shift for me yeah. so I don't allow myself to get to that point of I'm really stressed yeah, yeah. and has yeah. it changed your view on how you operate in your startup like in terms of appreciating the journey rather than focusing on like especially if you're in the middle of cap race because the yeah. because it's very much an outcome driven yeah. activity right yeah. yeah um I'm trying to enjoy the process of cap race <laughs> I'm it's a practice right <laughs> it's not something you'll ever master no um and uh so tell us about that so obviously first official like uh, like formal cap race formal yeah grown up um sixty pitches yep. Yeah, well, um, six to sixty people. Sixty, 60 people, people. Mm, in the um, last month. What 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 are your observations at a high level around cap raising? Oh wow, um, it's a minefield. It really yeah. is. Uh, uh, it goes back to what you were saying before about the f- the feedback, and you know, everyone's got different opinions on how you should raise, what you should raise, who you should talk to, how you should do it, yeah. what your valuation is, what you're worth, whether you're worth anything or not. It, it's a minefield. Yeah, it really is. And now, in the middle of all that, you'll just be breathing and going. Uh, I can feel my feet in the soles of my shoes (laughs) (laughs) with the level of calmness and nirvana now. Uh, Would you do it again? Would you go back and do the retreat again? A silence retreat? Yeah, I would actually. Yeah, Yeah. I would. Definitely. I would. It's not something I would jump at tomorrow. Yep. But I think a a yearly experience like that I think is is really good. Good thing to bring you back to that kind of calmness. Definitely. It's good that you. It's good that you noticed that you needed that. Did it yeah. give you what you were looking for? Like, so you wanted that sort of recharge, reset, out of context thing. Did you? Is that what you got? It did. It did. Because sometimes these things can unsettle you. Yeah. And like, and I thought it might do that. Actually, that's what I thought would happen. I was yeah. worried that it would unsettle, but actually, it didn't. It, it did give me that calmness. Absolutely. Right. And so you came back refreshed and yeah. and sort of ready to yeah. go. Yeah, I had lots of sleep during the meditations. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just oh, kidding. I'm like that. I'm 
like, and you're not meant to, right? Falling asleep is just frowned upon uh, by the Buddhists. Oh, that's Absolutely. hilarious. I love that. Mm. And so I guess, um, do you have a team now or is it just you? It's me. I've got Nadia and then we've got the girls in the Philippines and we've got the um, technical team in Malaysia. Yeah. yeah. And so how, how do you sort of bring that team together, like in terms of like, I guess – one of the challenges is as a founder, you can have these ups and downs and, yep. you know, you you are you are your startup to a certain degree, even though I don't agree with that. I mean, yeah, you are yeah. more than your startup. You, yeah. are, you are not your startup you even. Your but, startup. but a lot of people, you know, identify really closely with their startup, which I don't think is healthy. Yeah, I agree. But they have a huge impact on their team. How's your team dynamic work? Mm. Um, so we use Slack a lot yep. um, in terms of communication. Yep. We try and speak as often as possibly we possibly can. You know, we have conference calls and um, Nadia's in the office with me so for me it's just allowing people to be flexible but keeping the communication up yeah. so they're all aware of the capital raising they know exactly what stage we're at they know were you they know. aware of the retreat uh, yeah they were yeah, yeah. yeah I spoke to them all about did the they retreat. notice yeah. a difference um, I don't know actually I don't be know interesting to know yeah it would be it they would know be the before or after Nadia said to me actually on Tuesday she said you look calmer so maybe <laughs> Maybe that's all that, you know. Maybe. Did you eat vegetarian food? We d- yes, yeah. yes. And it was really good. Yeah. Yeah, Thai vegetarian food. That's good. That's good. Mm. Excellent. So what do you do to, to refresh yourself? Like apart from that, so do you do do you do something on a regular basis? Like what's your performance habit look like? Do you do you have a, do you have a regular morning routine or are you uh, I just do when it's needed? Yeah, I I don't have a regular routine. I'm okay. a little bit I don't know. I'm just one of those people that just flies with things. Like yeah, I think I I think I work better when things are a little bit chaotic. Yep. So I don't have a morning routine. I mean, you know, things like I don't touch my phone for the first half hour when I get up, I right. try not to touch my phone. Okay. You know, um, you don't really have morning routines with two boys because they just rugby tackle you from the side <laughs> or throw their breakfast. That is or, the morning you know, routine. Like that is the morning routine. It's just crazy trying to get them to get their shoes on and get out the door. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's kind of the, the morning routine. And then weekends for me is just, I mean, we've just finished football season. So I played football, yep. um, soccer football. Yourself? Yes, yes. You are a soccer player. I am a soccer player. Oh, oh. I know, actually, I say, I can't say I'm a soccer player. I play you soccer. You play soccer. I play soccer. This is something I didn't know about yeah. you. Yeah. So um, what position? Finish do you the play? season right wing. Okay. Yeah. So, um, but I I played all ages this year. Okay. And I spent two days afterwards every weekend recover in recovery mode. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So um, we might have to change that next year. But yeah. So soccer season's just finished. So weekends are pretty much football and you know and and just full on. Have you always been sporty? No. I, no. Actually, what, what inspired no. you to take up soccer? Coming to Australia. An English person coming to Australia, taking up soccer. Absolutely. Girls didn't really play soccer when I was in, in okay, the UK. Okay. None of my friends, not one of my friends in the UK, actually maybe one, plays soccer. Okay. It just wasn't wasn't what and we so did growing up. And now it's a done thing. And now it's what a done thing. What did girls play in UK? Uh, drinking games. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to make one of those comments, but I figured, you know, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be too nice. I mean, I could talk to you for hours, but... Um, in terms of um, sort of where you're going next, I mean, how do you develop as an entrepreneur? Is it something that you sort of learn on the job or do you go out of your way to grow or build skills? Like, I guess one of the challenges I think a lot of entrepreneurs face, especially coming out of the corporate world, is self-development, yeah. right? Which yeah. is, you know, how do you 
sort of invest in yourself when you're constantly investing in your business. Yeah. And I guess you've done that, I guess, for your, I guess, from a sustainability standpoint going on on your, um, on the workshop. But is that something that it's, you're conscious about? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm a big learner. Like I love to learn and self-develop. Um, I, try and surround myself with really smart people. So I think that's how I do it. Um, So Gavin White, who's head of data science at Deloitte, is a board advisor. And he's like this crazy smart guy who just can talk algorithms all day. And he talks to me. I have to Google half of the things he says to me. (laughs) So I'll spend a lot of time with him. And I will get him to explain to me how the algorithms work in detail, what type of algorithms that we should use for different scenarios and then what the weighting like I, I really try and get into his brain and understand the process yeah um I've just set up a, a recurring meeting with Google gradient they're the AI venture fund of Google nice so catching up with them on a monthly basis Hit to find out yeah well yeah that was that's um that's in <laughs> to the, be determined to be determined so so we're talking about just getting an understanding of what's happening in the US from an AI perspective because mm-hmm. they're across everything that's new technology yeah so really understanding that so that's probably my biggest that's the bit I enjoy learning I mm. really enjoy learning and then all, all of the corporate governance stuff I've had to get across um mm. do you socialize with other entrepreneurs do you are you part of entrepreneurial groups or do you sort of hang out with like-minded you know entrepreneurs yeah so at the moment reality is so i mean i'm part of um little black dress group janine janine's gardens group um which i love but reality is at the moment you know with two kids start up Cap raising, cap raising, soccer. You're at events pitching. I mean, last week I was I was pitching every night for three nights, and then the night that I was off, my husband was out somewhere. Like you just don't get a lot of time to invest yeah. in those entrepreneur startup groups. Um, but I am part of Investable, and they have a circle group which meets once a month, which is okay. great. But yeah, I wish and, I had and, more and time for that. What's that group do? That's is that. Is that a regular? Yes, yeah, so we meet months a month. This yeah. month we had the IP specialist from EY yep. um, giving talking to us about how we protect our IP and trademark. Yep. Um, so it's more like a breakfast learn sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, that type of thing. So yep. it's great because they bring experts in every month and we talk about our pains and we talk about, you know, and then we see if we can help each other with anything. Yep. And it's nice. There's a, there's a really good solid group of people in there yeah yeah i think it's i think you make a good point like there's so many demands on 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 an entrepreneur's time yeah right you've got to get good at saying no yeah are you does that is that need to come easy no no it doesn't i'm terrible at saying no you say yes really bad yeah really really bad look it's you've got to get disciplined at right i think yeah definitely like i speak at events and you know that's you know, this morning I was doing filming for for Superfast Diet, which is part of the Investable Group and amazing. But you 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 kind of you do have to think about where you put your energy and time because yeah. although events are great for PR and mm. great for you know sociability, they're not actually building the business. Yeah, you know they they are in some ways, but you have to limit the amount of time you put into those things, which mm. I struggle with because if someone rings me up and say they need me to do something, I'm like, yeah. How can I help? What can I do? Yeah. I'm there. So I, I really struggled to say no. No, completely. Um, we'll finish off with a couple of quick fire questions, mm. if that's okay. Favourite book? Ooh. 
Oh, that's a really tough one. It's got to be a Malcolm Gladwell book. Are you a big, big Malcolm big Gladwell? Big ba- Malcolm Gladwell Are you fan. a paper book or a, or a Kindle? Paper. Yeah. Paper. I can't Kindle. Considering really? I'm in technology, I can't Kindle. I used to be paper, but like right. I just... I just uh, have to because I read at night a lot. Yeah, I think that uh, the iPad's easier. Yeah, right. Until you drop it on your face after you're going to sleep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, favorite app on your phone apart from your shop own. you. It's got to be <laughs> apart shop from you. shop you. Um, what am I liking on my app? What do I use the most? I, I use a lot of business, you know, like social tools because we're yep. using social channels at the moment. Plan, I really like Plan. What's Plan? Um, which allows me to plan your Instagram accounts. Oh, yeah. So, that's a, it's actually an Australian startup, yeah, I think, yeah, actually. Yeah, it is. It is. Amazing. Uh, it allows you to kind of lay out the yep. photos and look schedule Look at the strategy it. that you've got cool. behind. It's a really good tool. So I'm loving that. Um, yeah. If you could meet somebody or invite them to dinner, living or dead, who would Ooh. it be? I went to see um, Obama speak at the Microsoft event. So we got, as a startup, we got in, uh, an invite to this exclusive event with Obama Wild. at the Gallery of New South Wales at the beginning of this year. And I've got to say it was the highlight of my life. Was One he a of, legend? Absolutely amazing. Just amazing. The stories he told. He's pretty charismatic. Huh? Just insane. So, yeah, he would be, he would be up He'd there. He'd be a pretty good dinner desk. I yeah. reckon he's pretty cool too, yeah, right? definitely. He's just, yeah, mm. I think he can hold his own. Um, who are you grateful for if you wanted to sort of shout out to somebody who's either helped you or, or somebody who you kind of want to give some gratitude to? Who would oh, it be? my goodness. So many people. We would be here for hours, literally. <laughs> I'm surrounded by people that just amaze me every day with the amount of Love, care, support, advice, they just give without wanting anything back. You know, my brother, my best friend, my husband, Dave Baquette, Gavin, like uh, Nadia, all of them. Like I would be here for hours. Honestly, okay. I'm well, very lucky. You, yeah. Look, I think it's important to acknowledge the people who've helped mm. you along the way. So I think that's amazing. Um, thank you so much for taking some time out of your busy day. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's been a pleasure. And um, next time we have you on, you have to give me update number two on uh, whether or not you go back to a, uh, a monastery. Monastery or not? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed Kelly's episode. She is just a hugely energetic person and such a great founder. Today's episode was brought to you by The Founder Lab, who deliver courses and programs to help build better founders. You can find out more at thefounderlab.com.au. And if you'd like to find out more about me or the podcast, then check out jamiepride.com. Thanks for listening and subscribe to make sure you get all the latest episodes. Have a great week. 